what I don't understand is why don't the Giants just do it now? <laughs> why don't they just do it now if they really want the player? We've heard that they want the player, right, Dan? They obviously had him for a visit. He's got history there, and they don't have good wide receivers right now. They don't. So we need a number one wide receiver. Wouldn't OBJ, Dan, be the best free agent receiver in the 2023 offseason? OBJ watch now at a standstill. Should the Giants still be in on the player, even if he can't play in 2022? We'll have thoughts on that a little bit later in the program. But first and foremost, it's the Giants Wire podcast. Welcome into the show. It's Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by my good friend Dan Benton. Dan's the, man- the managing editor of USA Today's Giants Wire. Dan, how you doing this week? Uh, feeling a little beat up this week. Just like your, just like your New York Football Giants. Yeah, that was that was a tough pill to swallow. Humbling loss to a hated rival, right? The Giants got roasted. I mean, they got roasted, Dan. Forty-eight twenty-two. Uh, just some of the some of the stats from this game, like Philly rushing for two hundred and fifty-three yards. Uh, brutal, right? Jalen Hurts. Seemed like he barely broke a sweat. I know the Giants uh, sacked him a couple times and, and all that, but felt like Jalen Hurts barely broke a, a sweat, and now he is the odds-on favorite to win the league MVP. Uh, he might have my vote, actually, right now, if the season ended today. I think he's been that good. It, it, you know, it was another game we could get into DJ, like another game where Daniel Jones really didn't do anything that you could criticize because he didn't have a ton of help, but I'm sure people... Are- oh, yeah, they'll, they'll, they find reasons to criticize him. It's all Daniel Jones' fault, like, like usual. But I don't think it was Daniel Jones' fault, Dan. I just think for some reason the Giants came out and they did the opposite of what they did on Thanksgiving night, right? Thanksgiving night, we went into that game against Dallas. We said the Giants are too beat up. They're not going to be able to compete with this Cowboys team. They're going to get roasted. It's going to be ugly. And that wasn't the case, right? They went in there. They kept it together. They played pretty good football, at least for the first. They, they led at halftime, right? They, they were just, they missed a, a big fourth down in their own territory that kind of swung the game, I thought, in the second half. But they played the Cowboys really tough. And we came out of that game seeing like, okay, we thought the Giants would lose. But man, I feel pretty good about the team coming out of that one. This one, we thought the Giants would get roasted by Philly, and they did. And I don't feel as good about the team now going up against Washington in a huge game this weekend, right? It's just, it's a different feeling from Thanksgiving. And I think that's what's kind of bugging me is that they got roasted and they didn't really have any answers for the Eagles. I mean, we come out in the game, what, what was it, like three or four punts in a row and you're down 21 nothing, And that's, the game was over in the second quarter. So it's bothering me that they didn't give them more of a fight. I didn't expect them to win, Dan, but they didn't give, they didn't have anything for the Eagles. That's a tough one to swallow, as you said earlier. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just get your butt whooped, you know, and that's what happened. They got their butt whooped. It's just, you know, it's unfortunate that it happened in the division. Uh, you know, I, I said the game is relatively inconsequential, and that that remains true. Uh, what I didn't factor in, however, was the morale when you get your butt whooped like that. And you kind of saw it in, you know, the locker room after the game. The attitude has changed. The optimism seems to be fading uh, they're saying all the right things, but you could just tell that the entire mood has shifted. And unfortunately, it's starting to feel a little bit like the Joe Judge years again. It's feeling like the Joe Judge years, Dan, with more F-bombs. Right? More F-bombs. Lots and lots of F-bombs. I've done more editing of transcripts and pulling out curse words uh, than I probably ever have in my entire life covering the Giants. Oh, man. Like one of our favorite Giants, Jihad Ward. I thought he hit the nail on the head, Dan. He says, quote, it's December football. It's about who the bleep wants it more. You know what I'm saying? There's more to it than just doing your job. There's more to it than just knowing the playbook. You have to do more. How bad do you want it? I think Jihad Ward hit it right on the head, Dan. Uh, you, you, after Thanksgiving, that's when the, the real teams are separated from the fake ones, right? That's when the teams that are going somewhere separate themselves. And this is when the Giants had to kind of 
make a statement, even in a loss, right? Even if it was a moral victory against Philly, like I was saying, we had to see more. We didn't see it. What do you think of Jihad Ward's uh, sentiment in the locker room, though? I thought I kind of loved his his take, and he parsed no words, Dan, as you kind of mentioned there just a minute ago. Oh, yeah, he pulled up. He never does, so he never pulls any punches. He's, he's as blunt as it gets. Um, but he was right. You know, he, he was absolutely correct. And, and Dexter Lawrence kind of echoed that a day later. Um, you know, the Giants got to do more. They got to try harder. They need to want it. And, uh, I, you know, I know that the injuries, I, you know, I hate to say it's a legitimate excuse, but it's obviously a problem that they're dealing with. But the bottom line is, is that the players that are suited up on Sundays or game days or what have you, they got to go out there and get the job done. And, you know, since basically since Seattle game, they're, they're not getting it done, unfortunately. And, you know, maybe if, if all goes well enough and according to plan, they'll heed the warning that Jihad Ward, you know, sent out there into, into the locker room and, and, and the same one that Dexter Lawrence sent out into the locker room and they'll find a way to make it happen because, you know, Sunday night, they don't have a choice. You continue playing this way. Your, your playoff life is over. You're going to head into the off season, having let one slip away. And that's not going to feel good. No matter how much you played over expectations. No, we'll be talking about this game against the commanders here coming up in just a little bit. Uh, huge ball game must win. Obviously we'll be breaking that one down. Uh, but just a couple more thoughts on this Eagles game, uh, Dan. So we've talked about the big three for the giants and how you need DJ Saquon and Andrew Thomas to play really well for the giants to do anything and to have a chance and to score. Uh, so it was a tough game from Andrew, from Andrew Thomas, obviously Evan Neal as well, just the whole offensive line, the protection against that good Eagles defense, not good, uh, which made it hard on Daniel Jones. And it made Saquon basically not existent in this ball game, right? 11 total touches on 20, 20 snaps, 20 snaps from Saquon, Saquon Barkley. I'm sorry. Uh, now I know the game kind of got away from the giants early. It was 21 to nothing. As I said, I think the Eagles had what 34 on the board in the third quarter. It was ugly. So I get why you might want to wrap him in bubble wrap and save him for this game against Washington. Dan, you nailed it again last week when you said the Washington game is more important than the Eagles game. I thought in a way the Giants treated it that way by wrapping Saquon in bubble wrap. As I said, only 20 snaps for Saquon. Uh, But what's going on with that player, right? You shared a, a, a really staggering stat with me on Daniel Jones rushing compared to Saquon's over the last, what, few weeks, month or so? Four, four games. Four yeah. games. And that's a concern because... He has been your most effective offensive weapon. And if we don't have Saquon Barkley, uh, it's going to be hard to beat the Eagles, never mind Washington or any of these teams, right, going forward. Yeah, it's, you know, listen, you've got a team that's built around the run that can't run the ball. And you've, you're have you relying on a quarterback to throw receive, to receivers who, you know, many of whom were basically street free agents just a month ago. Um, so... I know that people love to blame Daniel Jones, but you know, this is a, an entire offensive failure. Once again, it, it has less to do with just the quarterback and more to do with all of the players. And listen, when Andrew Thomas is also out there, giving up sacks, granted he settled into the game as it went along. Um, you've obviously got major problems. The giants once again, find themselves um, near the top of the league in injuries, near the top of the league in drops near the bottom of the league and, and wide receiver and tight end separation. Uh, near the bottom of the league in terms of screen game production, uh, near the bottom of the league in pass protection grades. Uh, it's just the same mess that I feel like we're dealing with every year, no matter who is the coach, no matter who is the GM. And, and early this season, we kind of thought that we had it all figured out and you know things were going to change and they were going to be healthier and all these issues were going to fade. But here we are right back into the same cycle in East Rutherford again somehow. 
And, and I know it's, you know, a lot of people feel it's blasphemous to, to dare question the production of Saquon Barkley. And the argument is as well, it's the offensive line. Well, that same, that same argument is never afforded to Daniel Jones. So you kind of can't have it both ways. If Saquon is not producing and you're blaming the offensive line, then you've got to give that same bit of credit to Daniel Jones, uh, you know, for an offensive line that's near the bottom of the league in pass protection, as I just mentioned. Uh, truth be told, though, Saquon, I, I'm not really sure what happened. I, You know, I know he's got the neck injury, but his production started to fall off before that. And you're starting to notice it in his runs. He's running up the back of his, you know, his offensive lineman. And granted, yes, there are oftentimes, you know, people in the backfield, at the point of handoff, uh, you know, taking them down for loss. It's hard to blame him in those instances, but there have been plenty of times, and there were, was one early on um, on the game on Sunday where he had two open lanes, one to the left, one to the right, and instead he ran right up the back of his offensive lineman. And that's sort of like the tenuous, tiptoeing Saquon Barkley that we saw last year that we thought was kind of gone after his resurgence earlier this year. And you, you could tell it's not solely the offensive line because – you know, Gary Brightwell then came into the game later on, and there were plenty of really solid runs that, you know, he was making where he was just hitting the hole hard and going. And, you know, something something with Saquon is lacking at this point, and it's more than just the injury. Yeah, we need to see that vision we saw earlier in the year where he was back, you know, just like his vision was unreal early in the year. Hopefully we can get that back. Again, maybe the Giants are just saving all their bullets for Washington. We'll see for the Commanders. Let's hope so. We'll get into that game here coming up. But before we get there, Dan, I just wanted to touch on OBJ one more time. OBJ watch. We figured we would be wrapping it up and, and talking about his new team. By the time we recorded <laughs> this week, we we actually thought that news would drop before our podcast dropped last week. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, OBJ watch continues. OBJ watch might be over, right? Because the Cowboys have signed T.Y. Hilton. The Bills have added Cole Beasley back to their practice squad. Again, Cole Beasley who freaking lost his mind during the pandemic over there, left, said a bunch of mean things about Buffalo, retired, and now now he's back with the Bills on their practice squad. The Bills signed him over OBJ. Meanwhile, the Giants, the team that we've, as we've said, has always made the most sense for a long-term deal with the Giants, right? The Giants haven't made a move to sign him. And why not, right, Dan? That's the question. Why not? Is it because of what Jerry Jones said, as you hit on very well in our previous pod? Is it because... OBJ chose not to run around and work out with Daniel Jones, Josh Allen, or Dak Prescott, right? Is because he wants more money than teams are willing to pay. Uh, why do you think OBJ watch uh, continues and it might be over until the offseason now? Well, I think it could be a combination of all of those things, honestly. I, I, his decision not to run routes, that was never going to help him. Uh, not entirely sure why you know he wouldn't do that if he was medically cleared. And by all accounts, he has been medically cleared. So you know, perhaps he kind of shot himself in the foot a little bit there. I, I certainly don't think that Jerry Jones exposing all of the medical issues was necessarily in, in Beckham's best interest either. He kind of nuked his market by doing that after putting on the full court press to sign him, which was, you know, listen, we said it last week. I, I think that was a really poor and, and disrespectful decision by Jerry Jones. Um, I can't imagine a scenario in which Beckham now looks at that and goes, yeah, Jerry Jones is the guy I want to go play for. But, you know, maybe money talks, so we'll see how that plays out. Jerry Jones did say on, um, what was it, on Tuesday that Beckham remains a possibility despite the T.Y. Hilton signing. I don't know if I necessarily buy that. We'll see once the playoffs come around. Again, if I'm Odell, I'm not exactly excited to play in Dallas after having them, you know, blow up the market the way that they did. But Beckham certainly didn't help himself either by saying he doesn't really have an interest in playing in the regular season, doesn't see the reason for it and just wants to play in the postseason. 
Granted, he'll be you know healthier by that time, uh, possibly more into football shape if he you know if he finds a team. But you know, at the time that that was said, these teams were still fighting for their playoffs lives, and in some cases still are. And, and you kind of got to help the team get there if you want to be there to play there. So you know, I think the com- you know the combination of all of those things basically shut down Odell's market, and I wouldn't even be surprised if he's not signed at all now. Yeah, I mean, that is a neat little trick to play as a veteran football player, Danny. He's like, I'll just show up for the playoffs and go for the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'll help you guys when we get to the playoffs, but I'll see you then. Yeah, but and the irony of that is, is he had previously said that he wants a long-term contract because he wants to settle down somewhere. So, you know, it's kind of like one of those situations like, well, which actually is it, buddy? You know, like, do you want to just play in the playoffs or do you want to find that home and stay there? So, you know, this kind of conflicting messaging was, you know, probably also didn't help his market very much. For sure. And he doesn't want one of these like T.Y. Hilton with Dallas, for example. He got 600K for the remaining four games. And there's a lot of incentives in there, especially for the postseason. He could earn another 700K if the Cowboys get into the postseason and T.Y. Hilton does X, Y, Z, right? I don't know the details there, but it's an incentive-laden deal that could get him over a million uh, for the season. I, I don't think Beckham, Beckham wanted that, Dan. He wanted the security, right? As you were just saying, he wants money that's probably in the realm of a number one receiver, somewhere in that realm. Maybe not Devontae Adams, what he got with Vegas, but some, you know, maybe on the lower end of the wide receiver one tier. Uh, he doesn't want to, he's not going to try to bet on himself again. He kind of did that last year. He bet on himself and said, I'll stay healthy I'll show everybody and then I'll sign a big contract and he got hurt, right? So he doesn't want to do that again. He wants the security. I think my only question here, I understand the whole situation. I understand why Beckham's probably not ready to go right now. I mean, again, he was injured in February of this year. So I'm not surprised he's not 100% ready to go run around and play football and and help a team win right now as we speak. Uh, I understand it's going to take time. What I don't understand is why don't the Giants just do it now. <laughs> Why don't they just do it now if they really want the player? We've heard that they want the player, right, Dan? They obviously had him for a visit. He's got history there, and they don't have good wide receivers right now. They don't. So we need a number one wide receiver. Wouldn't OBJ, Dan, be the best free agent receiver in the 2023 offseason? Like we've Arguably, talked for sure. We've talked about it. I just yeah. I pulled it up on Spotrack. So this is in terms of 2022 AAV, average annual value. The number one guy in terms of pay, and this is just Bill Belichick's fault, my Patriots, freaking Bill, Nelson Aguilar. He's the highest paid free agent right now. Uh, number one. Number two is Sterling Shepard. to him, by the way. Yeah, good for he him. Does, he, he deserves a shout out for what he did the other night. Yeah. Oh, Nelson? Yeah. Oh, uh, escorting Devontae Parker off the field? Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah, yeah. That, yep. that, was, that deserves some kudos. No, that that's good. It, it, it He deserves kudos for that. Not for all the balls he dropped in the game, but yeah, <laughs> for that, definitely Nelson Aguilar, round of applause. So he's the number one guy. Sterling Shepard's number two. That just shows you right there where the free agent class is next year. And then it's like, I'll just rattle off a few more. DJ Shark, Randall Cobb, Marvin Jones Jr., Julio Jones, Byron Pringle, Alan Lazard, Jacoby Myers, Juju Smith-Schuster, AJ Green, Jarvis Landry. Dan, have you heard a name better than OBJ yet? I mean, if he's close to playing right now, what's he going to look like in the summer? He should be full strength. He should be full go. Uh, Right? Uh, can we can we bank on that? I, this is just a fanboy question, right? I, I'm just wondering this uh, as a fan. Like, couldn't the Giants get out ahead of it and just sign him now and not wait until the offseason when his market might go up and he is working out for teams and he is feeling better and he's 100% healthy? Well, they certainly put themselves at a disadvantage if they wait. Uh, there's no doubt about that, especially if they're really content on, you know, intent on signing him. But going back to what you said earlier, I'm not 100% sure it's about the money for Beckham. I think it might be more about the years than it is about the dollars. And, 
there's probably some understandable hesitancy, not just with the Giants, but with the other teams as well, about signing a guy three or four years if he's not even willing to run routes for you. So at some point or another, you know, Beckham is going to have to show that he's able to do those things. But by that point, it may be next year. It may be during free agency. And, and then the Giants are in competition for, you know, arguably the best wide receiver that's available, uh, who's, you know, arguably, again, light years ahead of where most of those other players are. I, I've said it before that that free agent pool at wide receiver is not anything to write home about. It's not impressive. You know, there are a couple mid-tier options in there, but that's not what the Giants need. They need that wide receiver one. Um, and Beckham's really the best option, assuming that he's healthy. So, you know, if the Giants doctors were to check all the boxes on Odell, you would think that the smart money would be on them signing him now as opposed to getting into a bidding war later. The fact that they aren't, you know, that's sort of interesting. It may imply that as bad as it was what Jerry Jones spilled to the media, that maybe there there was something, you know, that they discovered during the that visit that maybe kind of caused them to shy away from signing Beckham right now. And, you know, it's such a, it's such a hard thing to juggle because you look at it and you're like, well, they need to sign that big-time wide receiver, give Daniel Jones that WR1. And at the same time, it's like, yeah, you know, if this guy's not willing to run routes, doesn't want to play to the playoffs, is, you know, X months removed from ACL tear, his second one in the same knee in a very short window of time, it's a big gamble. And, again, with the money, if it's a one-year thing, you can, it's kind of a throwaway. But when you're looking at two to three to four years, at that point, you're making a big gamble on a questionable investment. I guess we're suspending OBJ watch, Dan, until further notice. It's suspended. I, I, I'm at the point where I don't think that he's going to sign yeah, this year. I'm with you. So we're, we'll suspend OBJ watch until further notice, maybe until the offseason. Maybe we'll revisit it then. Uh, but we have to get to this big ball game against the Commanders. That's coming up next. But first, Dan, do you have any? Uh, do you play fantasy football at all? I play daily fantasy. Yeah. Okay, okay. So you're not in one of these uh, these leagues that have the playoffs this week. No, playoffs, no, baby. No. But it's a big week, and our friend Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com is going to say who you should be starting this week to help you win your playoff matchup. Stay tuned for that. Dan and I will be right back. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Playoffs. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for Week 15. Indianapolis Colts quarterback Matt Ryan at the Minnesota Vikings. Ryan, coming out of the bye week, takes on a Vikings defense that has allowed eight finishes of QB 13 or better in the last nine games. Just two defenses have given up more points to quarterbacks in 2022, and one of them allowed double the rushing scores as Minnesota. This matchup is 30.3% better than league average. Even a fading star like Ryan should be able to exploit Minnesota's secondary. Kansas City Chiefs running back Isaiah Pacheco at Houston Texans. This matchup profiles better for Pacheco finding success than his red hot backfield mate Jarek McKinnon. Since week 9, running backs have averaged the 7th most rushing yards per game and a touchdown every 36.8 attempts, but this is the number one defense to exploit on the year. 15 times a running back has made it into double-digit PPR territory, and this matchup is 28.6% better than league average. McKinnon will get his, but Pacheco should finish on the border between RB1 and number 2 performers. Washington Commanders wide receiver Jahan Dotson versus New York Giants. The rookie wideout posted 5 receptions for 54 yards 
yards and a touchdown on nine targets before the bye week hit. Now, Dotson will take on a Giants defense again, his opponent from the aforementioned Week 13 showing. He was involved more as a receiver of late, and it wouldn't be a surprise to see that continue down the stretch. New York has allowed wide receivers top 10 stats for receptions and yardage per contest since Week 9, and this defense has given up a touchdown per game to the position during that window. Tight end David Njoku, Cleveland Browns versus Baltimore Ravens. After missing Week 13 with a bum knee only to return for a 7-catch, 59-yard, one-touchdown line on nine looks in his first contest with Deshaun Watson under center, Njoku faces a Baltimore defense that has done a pretty good job of limiting tight ends of late. He was good for 14.1 fantasy points without scoring a touchdown in week 7. Consecutive tight ends have posted at least 12 PPR points against this defense in the most recent pair of games, and 8 tight ends have posted at least 10 points versus the Ravens in 2022. Six touchdowns have been scored by the position on the year. Don't be scared off by the name brand of Baltimore's defense. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back, and, and as we said earlier in the program, a week before Christmas Day, it's it's basically a playoff game for Big Blue, right, Dan? Uh, the Giants, they were underdogs at home to Washington a couple weeks ago. Now they're four-and-a-half-point dogs to the same team on the road. Uh, it's a playoff game. It's a must-win for the Giants. You could probably say the same thing for Washington. It's uh, you know The first one with these two teams was a big one. They tied, which kind of suspended the drama to now, and this one is as big as it gets. Yeah, this is this is a playoff game for both teams. It's really a conference championship for both teams. You lose this game, and the odds of you making the playoff are astronomically low. You would need to win the next three games, and obviously for the Giants, and even then, that's not a guarantee. But obviously for the Giants, that's that's a tall order. You know, you got the Vikings, who's not a good. You know, that's not a good matchup for the Giants, and you do have the Eagles in, in Week 18, which could kind of go either way. It depends on what the Eagles are playing for. Either way, it's not the position the Giants want to put themselves in. Um, you know, with their backs up against the wall and needing, you know, all these different things to fall into place. Same same for Washington, really. So it is definitely a must-win game for both teams. And, uh, you know, it is unfortunate for the Giants that they're playing, you know, Washington essentially back-to-back, right, that they had a game against the Eagles in between. Uh, but schedule makers uh, kind of favor Washington in this, in this particular situation. Yeah, you think? You think? I mean... I'm sure that's not an easy job, Dan. Uh, I'm sure it's not. I mean, with all the logistics, guy, you know, teams going overseas and Thursday night this, and and I get it. I, I get it. I'm, I'm sure it's really hard to do. Uh, but I just can't understand, and I'm sure we talked about this on schedule day back in the summer, but now it's more annoying uh, because the Giants are actually in this thing. We probably didn't think the Giants would be in it uh, come week 15 in the summer, if we're all being honest with ourselves, but they are. Uh, you know, the fact that the Giants... And command, I mean, the commanders are going to play the Giants twice in a row, basically, right? They play the Giants in week 13. They had their bye in week 14, which was last week, as we're speaking now. And now they play the Giants in week 15. So while the Giants had commanders that a tough division game with Philly, and now the commanders again, the commanders had Giants by Giants. So you could make the case that they have been studying and focusing on the Giants for three weeks. Three weeks. 
I mean, how is that yeah. not an advantage for Washington? It's got to be. Oh, it, oh, it's most certainly an advantage. There's no doubt about that. This is the NFL. Those are good coaches. Uh, you know, they, they devise game plans and schemes and find weaknesses and strengths and, you know, different ways to attack different things. And, and the course, you know, over the course of this, you know, what amounts to a six-day week before a game. So to have, you know, the six days leading up to the first game, uh, the entire seven-day bye week, and then another six days leading up to the game, uh, that's a lot of time for Ron Rivera and company to find all kinds of different uh, ways, to uh, different schemes, different plans, weaknesses, strengths, um, ways to attack. So it, it undoubtedly benefits Washington. And, you know, bottom line for the Giants is there are no excuses. You know, this is what it is, and you got to play the games, you know, as they are on your schedule. So they're going to need to find a way to overcome that disadvantage and, and win this game. And, you know, that's, you know, it's a total order in and of itself. It's not helped by the fact that they're obviously not trending in the right direction in terms of injuries, whereas Washington appears to be. Um, but, you know, again, this is the NFL. you got to go out there on Sunday night. you got to find a way to win this game. There are no excuses. Uh, there are no tomorrows. Uh, there are no mulligans or redos. So whether the schedule makers, you know, benefited Washington or not, the Giants, the bottom line is they got to go out there and they got to figure this out. they got to win this game. You know, you're listening on your phone or computer and you think you might be adjusting your sound. If you sound a little bit different than we did in the first segment, uh, it's not your fault. This is what it's, this is what the Giants Wire podcast sounds like, Dan, when we have no internet. <laughs> so this is the situation. The internet is down, but we're going to, we're going to finish out this, this show no matter what. Uh, and I know a lot of people tune in for the great Danton's pick. And I just want to say, Dan, as we get to that portion of the show, uh, first of all, you've been, you've been on a, you've been on a run here, right? You picked the Giants against Washington, against the spread. And even though they tied, we le- I learned at least, because I did bet the Giants there, uh, that you cash in a tie if you bet the underdog. <laughs> so I learned that. That was a nice thing to learn. Uh, that cash, because the Giants were dogs and they tied, so they technically covered. Uh, and then we had the Eagles last week, and that was an easy cover. This spot, to me, does not feel great for a Giants victory. Uh, they're winless in their last four. Washington is, I don't know. They're coming off this bye week. They've been, like I said, they've been studying uh, the Giants for three weeks. I don't love that. I don't love that it's on the road. Uh, I don't love a lot of things going into this ball game. I just, I just feel, I felt really good about the Giants a couple weeks ago against this team. And I feel, I, I, I kind of feel the opposite this time, but four and a half points does seem like a lot. So how is the great Danton feeling? Once again, Giants plus four and a half on the road against Washington. What's, what are you thinking, Dan? I, I've got to be honest. For the first time in probably two years of doing these picks, I'm really on the fence, and I, I don't know which direction to go. So as we talk through this, um, this is going to be the first time the prediction comes out of my mouth and into my head. So uh, here's the bottom line. Uh, the Giants are at a tremendous disadvantage. I don't think there's, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, the schedule makers, that's one of them, no favors whatsoever. That being said, the Giants do tend to play Washington well. They do play, tend to play Washington well um, at FedEx Field in particular. Daniel Jones has routinely had his best games at FedEx Field. Um, but on the opposite end of that spectrum, the Giants are not exactly a, a, a good primetime football team. They haven't been in a very long time. Um, See, I'm really, like I said, I'm, I'm really genuinely on the fence about this. Um, I, I want to believe that there's a path to Giants victory. And this just kind of has the feel of one of those games where they're going to overcome the odds and, and win. And I, maybe that's just my heart 
talking and not necessarily my brain because my brain was saying, you know, with the injuries, with the schedule the way it is, with the way that the Giants are playing, with the pessimism that's existing in their locker room right now, it, it just almost seems like it's too much to overcome. Um, so part of me almost just wants to predict the second tie, which would be, which would be absolutely incredible. Um, <laughs> Don't do it, Dan. <laughs> yeah, but in this particular case, I think we're going to see a game that was very similar to the last game. Uh, but ultimately, I think Washington, unfortunately, is going to pull away right at the very end. Whether or not that's going to be by four, I don't necessarily think so. Like I said, I think it's going to be another one of those close games, uh, almost in your mirror image. I'm seeing something like 23-20 Washington. Okay, well, Dan, Dan, I was going to say, if you're feeling a tie, if you're feeling a repeat of the tie, that's advantage <laughs> Giants If you're uh, from a betting perspective. Again, the Giants are getting four and a half. So, And again, you bet the Giants and they tie, you cashed that. <laughs> so that was very <laughs> exciting. I thought it would get voided out. So I was very excited when I cashed that bet a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the defense has to show up, right? The, the defense did not have much for the Eagles uh, in that Commanders game. They gave up over 400 yards of uh, offense to the Commanders in that one, right? So the defense is going to have to show up. Uh, and, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if this game is close and right down to the wire, just like the first one. I, I, I would yeah, not. Well, well, listen, I'll tell you what, if, if Leonard Williams comes back and plays, if Saquon plays, if a Dory Jackson, which would be incredible if he could come back and take on, uh, Terry McLaurin, uh, if Xavier McKinney could somehow find his way back, which I, you know, I don't necessarily see that come in. If Ben Bredesen was able to come back and play guard, because the Giants are getting just absolutely killed and mauled on the inside. I, I think really any combination of those players, any two or three of those players kind of tip the scales in the Giants' favor. But the problem is, is that at this time, at the time of recording, it doesn't seem very probable that any of them are going to play. Maybe Leonard Williams, maybe. And Saquon, I think, will play, obviously. Um, but Adoree, McKinney, Bredesen, I don't necessarily think they're going to play. That's problematic. Richie James has, you know, a concussion. He's in concussion protocol. He took a really bad hit. I don't necessarily know if he's going to make it back in time with thins out the wide receivers even more. You know, he scored three touchdowns over the last four games. So, you know, whether people want to scoff at it or not, that's a production loss for the Giants. Um, And, you know, there are other injuries that are are starting to take a toll. It's unlikely that Daniel Bellinger, who now has a rib injury, is going to play. So, again, it's, it's really problematic for the Giants as of this recording. It seems unlikely. If by some miracle most of these players play, I think my prediction would be different. Uh, and we'll see where that is, you know, come Saturday uh, when the injury reports are released. But as of this recording, and because of those injuries and because of that schedule, it just seems like too much to overcome for the Giants. All right. So the official pick by the great Danton is he's taking the Giants at plus four and a half. We'll see how that goes, Dan. It's a fun time of year when the games start popping up on Saturday, isn't it? You know, it's getting to, to that time. It's hard to believe this, the regular season's winding down here, but yeah, we start you know, getting you know Saturday games, man. Yeah, you know what gets it for me is when we do our uh, streaming article where we you know list the, the radio and the TV and the streaming options, and we list upcoming games. After this, uh, after this weekend, when we do that article, there's only going to be three remaining games, which is it's surreal because it feels like we just started the season. It does, it's just man. crazy that we're yeah. almost at the end of this already. Yeah, it we, was just yesterday we were talking. Brian Dayball and his two-point conversion attempt in the first week, you know? Yeah, the Titans game. Yeah, no, 100% right. it does. I, I mean, we do a weekly show, and I, I'm like, wow, we've done we've done 14 episodes during the regular season already? What? It's like, yeah, it's just yeah. like, it's unbelievable how quick it goes. Um, it's too fast, man. Uh, and I'm on my way to Vegas. 
I'm a Patriots fan. I'm going to Vegas for the Patriots Raiders game. I was expecting that to be the Sunday night kickoff, <laughs> five thirty local time over in Vegas. Dan, the Giants and Commander uh, kicked that game out. So now we got to watch the Patriots Raiders at one o'clock at local time instead. So we'll be getting out of that Patriots game and watching this Giants Commanders one afterwards, probably in the sports book or something. Uh, give me a show, Giants. Give me a show. Right this time of year, we start having these Saturday games around Christmas. This is real football now, and this is a real football game. And I wanna, I I, I want to get the popcorn out and enjoy this ball game. And and I want it to be good, Dan. I want it to be a good ball game. I don't want to see a tie. I want to see good football, good <laughs> coaching, good execution. They, they if they kicked my game out of the Sunday night window now, I want to get paid off for it, right? I want to sit in the uh, sports book, bet the Giants four and a half or whatever the line ends up being. Once I get there, I'm going to bet the Giants, as you said, Dan. And then I want to see a good football game. They owe it to me. Yeah, they they're trying they, to screw up my trip. Hey, the Giants got to salvage it somehow. I mean, you know, despite everything I just said, you know, there's still a possibility that they find a way to get it done. And I think that kind of falls on the shoulders of Daniel Jones. I hate to say it. I hate to put that much pressure on the kid. But the bottom line is, is he plays his best at FedEx Field. That's just the way that it is. And I know he's not a great primetime performer, but if there was ever a time to snap that streak, put the Giants on your shoulders and carry them to victory one way or another, this would certainly be the time to do it. Well, that's Dan Benton right there. Check him out on the Giants wire. There's all kinds of previews, stuff going on with this game. Giants commanders, it's as big as it gets for the Giants. Big football in December. We're here for it. Uh, Dan, we'll be back next week when I get back from Vegas. I'll probably be probably be hooked up to an IV in recovery mode, and we'll break this one down. Sound good to you? Well, sounds good. Enjoy yourself, and hopefully we'll be talking about a Giants win. Thank you. Wish me luck, folks. I'll see you next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.